Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. friends a very warm welcome to you wherever you're watching today this is Sunday the 14th of June and this is our Lord's Day worship here at Trinity we're really sad that we can't all be together I think we're now into our third month of lockdown which is longer than we ever thought we'd be meeting like this but uh, we are so glad that we've got this medium aren't we we're able uh, at the very least you're able to see me and we're able to hear God's word which is the most important thing Uh, that we can do today. And so a warm welcome. We're going to look at the book of Acts this morning, Acts chapter 15 and 16. Uh, We're going to hear God address us as he calls us to worship, as he shows us who he is, as we respond uh, with song and praise and with seeing ourselves in confession of sin. All of these things are here for us this morning. So I hope your time with us encourages you and helps you Um, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord and wherever you are in your relationship with us we'd love to hear from you and to get to know you more if you're just watching watching online do drop us a line we're going to begin by hearing God himself address us call us to worship and these words from Psalm 121 I lift up my eyes to the hills where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Amen. Let's take a moment then to confess our sins to God. This is something that we do individually. We have many of the same sins, don't we? But also things that we know that are unique to us in our hearts in this past week. And so here is a chance to come to God and speak to him. Father of mercies, we confess that we have sinned against you. By your Holy Spirit, come and work repentance into our hearts. Help us to see you as you are with outstretched arms, with a loving heart and with power to save. Help us to see Jesus, the friend of sinners, and to follow him more faithfully. As we have received him, so strengthen us to walk in him, depend on him, commune with him and be conformed to him. Give us an experience of your grace that makes us bold for others, that we might joyfully tell our friends and neighbours of your saving mercy. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Wonderful words of assurance come to us from Psalm 40. Assurance of forgiveness of sins for all who call on the Lord in the way that we just have together. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. As for you, O Lord, you will not keep your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Amen. Well, we're going to look this morning in God's word at Acts chapter 16. We're going to just read in the last few verses from chapter 15 and I'll read through to verse 15 of chapter 16. 
After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconia. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in these places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Amen. Well, friends, in three months of lockdown, the thing that I have found hardest is this. Loss of control. Loss of control. I'm a control freak. Uh, maybe you knew that about me already. Certainly if I didn't know it, I know it now for sure. And my family know it for sure as well. Without control of some parts of my life, well, the wheels just come off for me. And I suspect they do for you too as well. It's what we've reflected on a lot, isn't it, recently uh, at Trinity as a church family. We keep being brought back to it again and again in this time of the coronavirus pandemic, that what we have lost with our lives right now is control. We are not in control, are we? Everything has changed. Schools, all the plans for what the end of term would have been like, whether that's with exams or things to celebrate as children change year, 
Weddings, funerals, baptisms, all changed. Holidays, finances, relationships, jobs. We can list all the things, can't we, that we used to just slot into our diary and all we had to do was wait and the days would roll by and those things would eventually come. We would do all the things we'd hoped to do and now almost nothing. Almost nothing. We've been living like this, haven't we, and trying to come to terms with it. What have you been like in your home trying to do this? I have kicked against it. I have been upset about it, angry about it. I have prayed about it, tried to humble myself before God with it. And all of those things, all of these different reactions this week brought me to Acts chapter 16. And once again to God and his word, God has nourished my soul with this chapter that we're going to look at together. He has shown me here an incredible truth about the Christian life that is worked out on a map as Paul is with Silas traveling all throughout the ancient world. And it's this. Here's the truth that God has helped me with this week. And I I hope I want to hold it out to you. I hope it helps you too. Here's the truth we're going to unpack just a little today. It's words that someone else has used. Here's how someone has put it. The most important things that we have to do are the things that we are powerless to do. The most important things you and I have to do, we are powerless to do. Now that is an astonishing truth. I I actually don't have any other points today as we look at this passage, and I mean that genuinely, Trinity family. I'm not going to smuggle other ones in undercover. I, I want to show you in what we have here, that truth that the things we have to do we are powerless to do. And I want to take the layers off that as we look at it together. See, here in Acts chapter 16, here again is the gospel spreading. If you look at the text in front of you, all of these places are just place names, aren't they? Lystra, verse 4, through the, through the cities they go, verse 6, Persia, Galatia. Look at chapter 16, verses 11 and 12. Look what we're told there. Look where they end up. Setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. See, our hearts are meant to be aflame with joy here. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus said would happen right at the very start of the book of Acts. You will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It is happening. Here it's happening. Friends, God always, always, always keeps his promises. The gospel is spreading. And just as Paul and Silas have the most important thing in the world to do, spreading the gospel like this, so they learn they are powerless to do it. Absolutely powerless. Look at verse 6 of chapter 16. They are forbidden by the Holy Spirit, to speak the word in Asia. Verse 7, they tried to get into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Verse 14, they're in the great city of Philippi, a strategic city. They meet with some women down by the river on the Sabbath day, and they are absolutely powerless to get these women to believe the gospel. Powerless. Think about it. 
Here is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the most important thing I have. I'd love an open door that I could walk through in this city. No, says the Lord, it's closed. Here I am sitting with you side by side chatting. Uh, I love the gospel of the Lord Jesus. This is the greatest thing I have to share with you. I'd love you to have an open heart as I share it with you. No. It's closed unless God opens the heart. For the Lord Jesus, you see, to keep his promise in chapter one of us being his witnesses to the ends of the earth. He knows we will need open doors for the gospel and open hearts for the gospel. And here Paul and Silas learn that what we most need, those two things, are the very things you and I are most powerless to bring about. Most powerless. That's what you have in verses 6 to 10 of chapter 16. The need for an open door for the gospel. Verses 11 to 15. The need for an open heart to the gospel. An open door and an open heart. Who controls these things? Who has the power to open both of these things? Not Paul. Not Silas. Not me. Not you. Now, I'm going to say a little bit more about both of these things, the open door and the open heart. But it's just worth noticing, first of all, what happens in verses one to five of chapter 16. That's what Paul longs for. In the See, what, what Paul longs for is an open door for the gospel more than anything else. Paul does everything he can in his power to make an open door possible. That's what verses one to five are showing us. Everything in his power to create an open door. See, Christian people are not passive people. We're not fatalistic people. We don't believe in que sera, sera. The the fact that the door is closed in Asia and that Lydia's heart is closed doesn't mean Paul is sitting, sitting on his thumbs, whistling in the wind, saying, well, God will do it all. No, look. Paul does a surprising thing, a very surprising thing, in fact. Just look at the first three verses of chapter 16. Do you remember what's happening? Paul wants everyone he can in all these cities he's traveling through to hear the gospel. Ever the team player is Paul, ever the ministry trainer. So he wants to take Timothy with him. And because there are Jews where he's going, he has Timothy circumcised. Now, friends, I wonder, I know we've had a break from Acts these last couple of weeks. I wonder if you raised an eyebrow. Timothy, circumcised? Friends, what a shock. What a surprise. This is straight after chapter 15, where Paul has literally almost gone to the wall to say that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Remember, Jesus plus nothing gives us everything. Chapter 15, verse 1, some people are saying, unless you are circumcised according to the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. We've just watched Paul ineffectively, effectively say in response, no, over my dead body. More than that, Galatians chapter 2, Paul says that Titus does not need to be circumcised. He stands firm against that idea. So why here in our chapter this morning. What, what's different here? Well, it's a simple answer, really. Open doors to Paul are everything. Open doors are everything. 
See, Paul will do anything to get a hearing for the gospel. You see, in Acts chapter 15 and in Galatians, where Titus is not circumcised, the gospel itself is at stake. The gospel itself is at stake. People were saying you cannot and Titus cannot be a Christian unless he is circumcised. No, says Paul, that is wrong. So, so deadly wrong. For a Gentile circumcision is never needed to be a Christian, never needed. But with Timothy, it's not that the gospel itself is at stake, but a hearing for the gospel is at stake. See the difference? If you look at the text there, Timothy is Jewish, isn't he? He has a Greek father, yes, but a Jewish mother. And here he is taking the gospel to Jews. What might stop them hearing the gospel? Well, it's that Timothy looks like he doesn't take his cultural heritage seriously, doesn't look like he treats it with respect. You want us to listen to a man like that, Paul? See, one of these things is principle. You do not need to be circumcised to be saved. Yes, that is principle. But the other is prudence. I don't need to do this, but I will do it if it helps you hear what I'm saying to you. Paul is trying to build an open door for the gospel. Second Corinthians chapter six. Remember, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path, lest our ministry be discredited. We did nothing to trip anybody up. Uncircumcised Gentiles. Yes, that is essential for the gospel. But uncircumcised Jews, that can be a red rag to a bull. They won't hear a word you're saying. No, says Paul, I I want to walk through the door of your city, into your city. I want to walk into your homes with the gospel. I want you to hear me. I want your heart to be open. So what what do I have to do to make that opening? Tell me, says Paul, I'll do it. I'll do whatever it takes. That's what Paul is showing us here. Brothers and sisters today, never, ever place limits on your prudence. Never place limits on your prudence that mean you will... Put things in front of the gospel that make people trip over even as you're trying to give it to them. Don't place limits on your willingness to make circumstantial sacrifices so folks can hear the gospel. That's why in our homes uh, we might put a copy of the Quran, if you have one in your house, we might put it up on the top shelf as a mark of respect for your Muslim friends when they're in your home and in your living room. If you want them to listen to you, then we should know how they view the Quran. Their Qurans are up high, never down low on their shelves. Immediately they see yours down low. They feel disrespected. Don't leave your Bible on the floor when you have Muslim friends in the room. They won't, they won't understand why the book is precious to us. I won't talk about my own detailed political preferences if it will stop you hearing what I want you to hear about the Lord Jesus. You don't drink alcohol, then I won't drink it while I'm with you in your home because I want you to hear about Christ. I won't go somewhere or do something if it stops you hearing what I'm saying. See, the principle is always, always Jesus plus nothing is everything. But prudence is let me respect your culture as much as I possibly can so that with an open hand, 
I can give you the gospel so that with God's help, you might respond with an open heart. Friends, this is why the rest of our passage is so surprising, isn't it? Look, Paul is doing everything, verses 1 to 5, he's doing everything he can to build an open door. And yet, and yet, here is our lesson. The most important things you and I have to do, we are powerless to actually do. Look at verses 6 and 7. They went through the region of Persia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, forbidden by God himself to speak. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. See, chapter 16, verses 1 to 5, is a door Paul did not want closed. Verses 6 to 10 is a door that he cannot open. He wanted to, remember, he'd met the risen Lord Jesus on the Damascus Road, road who told him to do exactly this. Carry my name before the Gentiles and before kings of the children of Israel. Carry my name before them. Okay, Lord, here I am. I'm ready, I'm willing. Door closed. No further. Now, we don't know how this happened. We don't know how the Spirit closed the door to them. Maybe it was a revelation. Maybe it was another vision. Maybe. Quite possibly this is actually written sometime later with them looking back at this event, just looking at the ordinary kind of roadblocks and events that meant they couldn't do it. Someone was sick. They got a message from over here. Something meant that they just couldn't enter. And with the benefit of hindsight, they just realized, ha, do you know what? Remember those days? We thought we'd go there and God took us there. Look what happened. God was at work. God closed that door. Trinity family, do you remember several years ago when we tried to buy that fire service building on Mount Huli? And we were so close to being able to buy it. So close. And then the door closed. And we were left scratching our heads and Wondering, what on earth is God doing? This seemed so right, so perfect. And then, look, over here, a Queen Street door opens. It's like that now, isn't it, the minute for us? Here we are. Lord, we're ready to go. The building project, we're ready. We want to build. We're ready to renovate. Pause, says God. It's interesting, isn't it, in verse 9 and 10, that Paul has the vision. He's the one that sees this man In his dream saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. But look at verse 10. We sought and we concluded that God had called us. You know, if you think God has given you a vision for something, the best thing you can do is to test it with godly leaders. So that you end up going forward as a we, not as an I. So that there's an us, not just a me. Here we are in the middle of the coronavirus threat, aren't we? Right in the middle of it. Things are beginning to ease, at least a little bit, but it is not over, far from over. What are we looking at all around us? Wouldn't you agree? Closed doors, almost literally closed doors. We wanted to do A, but it's closed. We thought we'd go here and do B, closed. We had plans for C, paused. Brothers and sisters, can I encourage you very simply today to learn, maybe for the first time, or to remember today, 
the most important things we have to do, we are powerless to do. For it is God who opens doors, not us. It is God who wills this or who wills that or who says we may go here or there or do this or that, not us. It is God who gives and it is God who takes away and it it is our part to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Acts chapter 16 says to us, do you believe in the almighty and ever present power of God by which he upholds heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them so that all things, all things in fact come to us not by chance but from his fatherly hand. That's what Acts chapter 16 is asking. We want to say, oh yes, we do believe that. Of course, we know our catechism. All things come from his fatherly hand. Now there's the key, isn't it? A fatherly hand. See, in your house, in my my house, hands close doors all the time, don't they? You, You cannot go there, my precious child. But why not that? I want to go there. My friends are doing it. Everyone else is going, I want to do this. Why? No. And a hand closes the door, but it is a father's hand full of love and wisdom and care and gentleness and knowledge and an ability to see beyond the closed door the things that the child can never see. That's what God's hand is like today for you and for me. I don't know what your closed door is today. Well, I I do know for some of you, for church family people, I don't know what everybody who's watching this video, I don't know what everybody's closed door is. And most of us have many closed doors right now, don't we, of course? And the sound of those doors shutting has brought us grief and pain and difficulty and inconvenience. It is very common when doors close that tears flow. Friends, here is the humbling principle right in front of us in the pages of the Bible. We are actually powerless to do the things that are most important for us to do. Our lives are in God's hands, not, not in our own hands. We are not strong, powerful, decisive creatures able to forge our own path in the world. No, we have our plans. God has his will. And God's plans for our plans supersede the very best of our plans. Such a beautiful, wonderful, difficult but glorious truth. We have our plans. God has his will. And his plans for our plans supersede the very best of ours. Always. God draws straight lines with crooked sticks. You heard people say that God draws straight lines with crooked sticks. We we seem, don't we, to be going all over the place. And we can't see the end from the beginning. We, we thought we'd go here, but we've ended up there. Why, Lord? What are you doing? And one day, one day we will look back from glory, look back and see only one straight line that led us all the way to Christ and to our heavenly home with him forever. One straight line, just drawn with a crooked stick. Did you know that David Livingstone tried to go to China, but God sent him to Africa instead? 
William Carey tried to make it to the South Seas Islands and ended up in India. Mm -hmm. Here you are today doing X with persons ABC beside you, but you thought you'd be doing Y over there and that you might be with him or with her or with them or you thought your life might have gone in that direction and here you are. Acts chapter 16 says you are in God's hands. God's hands. And so it is too with Lydia here, verses 11 to, 15, 11 to 15. The thing Paul most wants for her is the thing he is most powerless to do. Look at verse 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshipper of God. See, Luke is telling us here that Lydia was wealthy. A seller of purple goods. She, she's a Savile Row tailor. This is not the basics range in Asda that she's selling. She is God-fearing, yes, but she does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. A wealthy businesswoman. Jesus said it is hard, hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Or woman. The rich young ruler comes to the Lord Jesus and he leaves his side and goes away sad, doesn't he? Because his hands are full of stuff, money, wealth, power. Here is Paul sitting with this rich businesswoman. And the most important thing he has to do is, is the thing that he is powerless to do. One who heard us, verse 14, was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. A seller of purple goods who was a worshipper of God. So Paul opened her heart to pay attention to what he was saying. No. No. How much we would like that to be true sometimes, wouldn't you? I would. I would love that to be true. You, you share the gospel with someone. Christianity Explored course, all that work and effort. People come week after week. You share the gospel with your husband and your children and your friend and as you're doing so, you, you wish you could just reach inside them and flick a switch and turn on a light. It doesn't happen. No. Friends, oh, what mysterious grandeur. Oh, the glory and the greatness and the mystery of God that he gives us a task to do that only he can accomplish. Be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And as you go, know only I can open doors and open hearts. Be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. What is the Lord Jesus teaching us? And I will be with you to the very end of the age. You will need me with you. Speak and share and work and be prudent and build doors. Do all you can, but I will open them. And I will open hearts. Brothers and sisters today, did you know faithfulness is our work? Faithfulness is your work, but the results department belongs to God. Faithfulness is our work, but the results are God's work. It's hard to learn that, isn't it? It humbles us and I, I hope to it encourages us. I hope it helps you and encourages you. Do your bit, oh, do your bit passionately and creatively and strategically and recognise you are powerless to do the very things you most want to do.
You know, I've said it before that ministers learn that everything you hope will happen in a person's life with God is beyond your power. It's a really hard lesson for ministers to learn. It's a lifelong form of ministerial death, actually realising that everything you long for in a person's life to happen to them and for them with God is beyond your own power. Everything you hope will happen in that loved person's life, that loved one's life is beyond your power. Do you know, I think powerless Christians are not passive Christians. This is not an encouragement to passivity, is it? Look at look at the verses uh, 14 again. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. You know, both things were needed. The Lord opening and Paul speaking. No, Christians who are powerless are not passive. Powerless Christians are speaking Christians. They speak to others and we speak to God. You know, I think prayerlessness is practical atheism. It's why we don't pray. Because actually at the core level of our beings, we do not think we need God. We can do this. I've got this. I'll sort this. I'm capable, I'm able. It is the belief that I can run my own life, make my choices, shape my destiny. But people who know what Paul knows here, why on the Sabbath were they going to where people were praying? It's interesting, isn't it? Where people were praying. Just had doors closed all behind him. I want to go to where people are speaking to God and crying out to him in humble dependence. People who believe Acts chapter 16, the language that just flows from our lips is our Father, your name, your kingdom, your will. Give me, forgive me, lead me, keep me. That is the language of humble dependence. I want to encourage you today, friends, find encouragement in your powerlessness today. Let it lead you to God and to Christ. For your powerlessness, my inability is showing us who we truly are and who he truly is. Amen.